This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are three members of the cast of Metamorphoses being revived at Looking Glass Theater, Doug Hara, who is an ensemble member, Raymond Fox, also an ensemble member, and Louise Lamson, who is an artistic associate at Looking Glass Theater. And all of them have a long history with this piece and working with Mary Zimmerman, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. And I thought a place to start um, would be, uh, Raymond, you've proven yourself very good at dates. If you could uh, give us just a history of this production, you know, the first time it was done and subsequent productions, just just quickly. A sketch. Sure, I will try. Well, Louise was in the original production, which was a student production uh, called Six Myths at Northwestern University. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can talk about that a little later. And that so that was 1996. And uh, subsequent to that, Mary brought the piece to Looking Glass, where she is an ensemble member in a slightly expanded form, mm-hmm. now titled Metamorphoses, where we produced it in the fall of 1998, closed it in the spring of 1999. After that, there was a co-production among three theaters, uh, Berkeley Rep., Seattle Rep and the Mark Taper Forum. And that was part of the 1999-2000 season. Then in the late summer of 2001, we went to New York and opened the play off Broadway at Second Stage Theater. It subsequently transferred to Circle in the Square, where it ran from March of 2002 into February of 2003. So the the history of the three of you with this play goes back something like 14 years. Let's let's talk about that student production because I believe it was at least partly devised with the with the company is that right? Or it started as a a six mess and she knew she wanted to audition a pool of water mm-hmm. and it was an awesome op- audition. Yes. Audition it because <laughs> she wanted to possibly use it in a production of the Odyssey. And so she thought it was a good opportunity in uh, the university setting to try it out. And, and little did we know that it was going to go on to become this other thing. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so I just remember hearing that Mary's production started with no script mm. and that they were very ensemble oriented. They were very physically driven. And it proved itself to be that as soon as we got together, we started doing a lot of ensemble uh, work together and a lot of physical movement together. And I don't think we got text maybe even for the first week. I, I mean, it's so hard for me to remember, right. but I remember one of the first things we, we started doing is just, uh, she had she had certain myths in mind, and we started doing um, moments from those myths. One being, uh, we we call her Petty Minus in our show, but it's where the daughter of Midas turns into gold. And I remember all of the uh, people in the cast just trying their version of what that would be. And then soon enough, she would start to bring text to rehearsals, and we started doing scene work. and 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 I just remember when we opened it, it had a two weekend run at Northwestern, and I think we all knew. We just knew we were creating something unique. And when we opened it, it got a response that you could just tell that right. it was not just any university production. Right. And I thought, I'm going to tell this story, <laughs> and it's absolutely true. When I was backstage um, for the last show, because it was a very short run, because now you go on in professional theater to have at least a six-week run. So two weekends felt like nothing, and we had gone through so much. And and I was in the VOM ready to make my entrance to do Bodies I Have in Mind, which I still do to this day. And I thought, 
I, I love this show. I love doing the show. It's just changed my life in so many ways. And then I thought, so naively, I could do this show for the rest of my life. <laughs> not even joking. I thought I just was not ready to let it go, uh, and here I am. <laughs> the, the be careful still, what you wish for. I'm still doing right, the show. So right, right. anyway, <laughs> and and the pool of water was part of it at that point. Yes, we had a deck with a pool liner with water, and I think we had it. It didn't have a filter. So they had to change it after every show. We didn't have any of the stuff we had figured out with warming booths. We have warming booths now. We have clothes that can get into the water and dry fast. And we have, um, you know, towels and just all the, all the stuff to make it comfortable. And we did not have that at Northwestern because we didn't know what it would be. Right. So we spent a lot of time shivering and found out. Right, yeah. That yeah. Wet yeah. Cold, but right. we were young. Right. So it was all right. <laughs> Well, so then Raymond and Doug, you came into it for that first professional right. production. Um, you had worked with Mary before, because I had, yeah, both yes. of us had, yes, quite a bit. So, what in what was what is different, or what was then to you different as you were working with her for the first few times about her, her style of direction, if anything? Well, my perception, and you know, other you guys can chime in too. Um, is that Mary casts a, an entire person and really wants them to bring their particular skill set and their self to the process. And so she tends to let people, she wants you there because of who you, who you are. So the more you can bring yourself into the character and just sort of make bold choices and put them out on the table... I think that's the food, that's the fuel that fuels her own instincts. So the way I've always worked with her is I have just make this, you know, I, I make some, I look at the text, I make a lot of decisions and I'm, I work in a really instinctive way and I throw a lot of stuff out there for her and she doesn't give us a lot of feedback necessarily. So you're really sort of out there putting a lot of stuff out on the table for her and then she starts to tweak it and shape it. Um, and so that that I, that's kind of how I felt it, it went with Metamorphoses as well. Anything you would add to that, Raymond? I I would I would agree with everything Doug <laughs> says, and I I think as the three of us have, we've all worked with her where the process is from scratch, um, and and also worked with her where it's an established play that's mm -hmm. come in, and occasionally Mary will still direct scripts that are not her own, or or the, whether they be Shakespeare or something else, but it's mostly. Mostly work of her own devising mm -hmm. or adaptation. She's, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure she would say this herself and many others have said it. She's a very visual director. She's really sort of a master of stage picture. Um, and so in a lot of ways, the, she's, she's a designer. She's a mm -hmm. designer of theater. And, and I mean that in the, in the sort of the broadest, grandest sense you can imagine that word to encompass. She is a designer of text and a designer of, image and a designer of movement um, and costumes and sets. I mean, she, she works more, as if not more intimately with her design staff mm -hmm. than she does with a cast. Mm -hmm. um, and so you are really, you have to sort of, you bring what you, 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 you bring what your instincts want you to bring to the process. And then you need to make sure that you are subsuming yourself into her into the design into the piece of the moment the design of the moment so that you are fitting in to that you're indicating what she needs to 
what she would like you to be helping you to indicate in that moment. Um, in concert with everything else on stage and visually, aurally, everything. So, um, that might be a particular skill set. I don't know. I think I've worked with Mary enough that it, it's, it's just something that comes to me a little bit naturally and it maybe mm-hmm. comes to other people who have worked with her a lot naturally. But I've also seen people in processes with Mary struggle with that, that particular idea of feeling a little bit adrift, not getting a lot of feedback and not necessarily knowing how to, to fit in. Um, and I, uh, I try to support other, you know, people who have that experience as much as possible with a lot of reassurement and saying, yep. don't worry, you know, you're just, you're a part of something, you know, it's, you know, Mary will give you something to work with. She, she's going to start tweaking and giving you some shape. And in, and in great group scenes, it can feel like you're part of a watchworks, you know, like you're just doing this mm-hmm. little thing downstage, right. And over and over again. And then if you're lucky enough to see it as a whole, you say, oh, no, it's the entire picture. It's mm-hmm. it's theatrical. This couldn't happen in a film. It couldn't happen in any other way but in the theater. Because if for the audience, depending on where, they have to take it all in as one image. And it is, as Doug's saying, her, her designers are such integral to her process. And they're most often Dan Osling, who did the set at Northwestern and did our set here, and T.J. Gerkins, who's the lighting designer, and Mara Blumenfeld costumes and then Andre Plus and Willie Schwartz who did the music but everything is so tightly choreographed mm-hmm. that all of our movements throughout the show have to take place in very specific intervals and I can remember being at the Ivanhoe and there's one long piece of narration for uh the Arisichthon story, and she said, okay, Raymond, I want you to speak this narration now at about the rate you think you will say it, because Andre is going to write the cue to, to fill that. And so now, you know, she was sort of half choking. Everyone who ever plays this part has to do it within that, that amount of time. Yeah. So there's still tremendous freedom within that for the actor, but I think that can be a bigger adjustment right. I, for some people than for others. I would agree wholeheartedly. There is, I was going to say, there is an, even in this sort of what I've sort of painted as possibly a rigid sounding structure of work, there is an, there is a tremendous amount of freedom for a number of reasons, two that are in my head right now. Um, <laughs> one is the, is the initial freedom, at least that I feel from her in a process where I sort of get to bring my own instinctiveness to things. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is there is a freedom in the structure. Once you are inside of it and you know where your marks are and where the landmarks are, um, you then then you know and the then the audience comes in and, and everything is as live as any piece of live theater can be it is not you know it isn't um it isn't rigid it does become fluid um no pun intended <laughs> what well, yeah i've also heard sid would know the answer to this our stage manager but it's a 90 minute show and there are something like 2 or 300 lighting cues that it's just constantly mm-hmm. changing and i don't know if the audience is consciously aware of that but the 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 visual element is in motion throughout it never stops Mm -hmm. well i think this is a really interesting place to try to dig a little deeper because whenever you're dealing with a spectacle so that there are these huge elements of design as you're talking about um there becomes this uh necessity to uh as you say hit marks be exact cues i mean it's much more um choreographed second to second than a lot of other kinds of theater. And sometimes the effect of that 
in other shows that I've seen is a certain deadness. It's like it's being recited. It's like we're trying to make this as much like a movie as possible so that every single performance is exactly the same. Now, you've said that there's that same structure, but somehow with these shows, that doesn't happen, that that uh, clamping down and that, um, as I see it, deadness. Mm -hmm. Can you at all explain how not? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, on the one hand, it's a... It's a... Part of it is the intimacy of the show. It's not a grand... Yeah. scale production the people are so close to you and so our front row is so close and our back row is so close Your front row is wet um yes um <laughs> so part of it is the intimacy um of it and the other thing is really um because you can even in a show like this i mean get into a rut i mean we did this show i think i've learned better coping mechanisms for staying fresh and carving a new path through the show every single night now than I did have, mm. than I didn't have those exact skills all these many years ago. Louise and I's um, favorite um, um, way of, of getting our ourselves fresh for the show lots of years ago was to slap each other in the face as hard as we could before <laughs> curtain because it would give us that shot of adrenaline and get us out of our heads because by the time we had done almost a year on Broadway we had done yeah. the show yeah. so much that we really were a little bit going a little bit crazy right um this time it was kind of a goal of mine to not feel that because I didn't want the show to be um, wrote. A recitation. I had done lovely things in the past and the inflections that I gave to my things was were lovely and they worked and people laughed at certain points. But I was determined, even though those things were true, that I was not going to carve that same, you know, I'm gonna, not going to let my wheels fall in those ruts. Uh -huh. And so every show is, is, I feel like I'm just jumping off from a different point. I look in a different direction. I let myself say something in a different way right from the beginning just to throw myself off balance, just to get things loose. It's real easy for me because I start off with a drunk guy, and so I can allow him to be really different each night, look in different directions, mm -hmm. say things in different ways. Um, sometimes it, you know, sometimes something incredibly sublime happens, you know, because of that. Then if I try to recreate that sublime thing for the evening show, I'm dead. I'm, right. I can't, right. you know. I maybe could do it, but it will never be worth it. That effort will always fail because if you keep just trying to recreate that thing, it's going to just put you in that rut and then things begin to die. Right. So I'll rather sacrifice little wonderful moments and sublime moments that happen for just because I'm fishing for the next one. And then they, they do come. They do keep mm -hmm. coming. And it's I think that liveness and that presence and that uh, – awareness and all that feeds the show. Cause I, 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 I don't know if you guys feel this way, but sometimes I, I, I find that I'll hear something different from another actor and then it'll, it'll, it'll trigger me. And then I will then, I don't know, I will be in a new place and more alert and, and, and alive. And, and it kind of is like, has this ripple effect th throughout the show. I, and I've noticed that I'm in total agreement with Doug that I've noticed it more this, this time, but I think that's just experience. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also layers upon layer upon layer upon layer of, of metamorphoses productions and knowing that 
you're safe. It's not, you're not clinging on to the newness of, is this okay anymore? Cause it's so okay. <laughs> it always is okay no matter it's what. It's always you do, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's things that will succeed more than others, right. but yeah, yes, but along those lines, certainly. Yeah. And we're all, we're all a lot older. The three of us are all parents now. We just have, there's just more that's happened to us. I think another thing that's been nice about this revival is that doing it at Looking Glass in our own space, we've never been in a theater this small. Mm -hmm. And there's so much narration, so much direct address to the audience in this play, as there is in many of Mary's shows. And that, I think you two would agree, is is easier in a smaller house. Mm -hmm. It can feel much more like a conversation with the audience. So to have them as a scene partner where we can read Mm -hmm. their response and then change accordingly mm-hmm. it's like a new conversation every night so there are those things and then the other the other uh, element of the play you know just as it's, it's about change and the play itself change is built into the structure it, it's the play is constantly starting over as mary would say so you have one scene that's in very contemporary language then one scene that is in that is that is a poem mm-hmm. and then the next the next story is told visually. And so that asks a lot of the audience and it asks a lot of us to be tweaking that style as we go. But as actors, I always feel like the challenge is if we were doing a conventional play or we were doing Chekhov or Shakespeare and you're playing one character over two hours, there are all those, you have many, many changes of intention, you know, dozens. Here you come in and you have a scene and it might only be eight minutes and you have to tell that entire story. So you might only have eight beats to get. So those become very, very important and they have to be very clear. What is your relationship to the other person? What is the thing that you want? And so if you miss one, it, Mary often has said to us too, the acting can't get terribly Baroque. It has to be very, very clear and very specific from the outset. Would you two agree? Mm-hmm. Because that, that helps to keep us uh, focused. And just to remember that, that in a certain sense, we're playing fully realized people, but they're also archetypes. So your greed or your loss or your lust, that that quality has to come across, um, very strongly. And that can be exciting too. I think Louise is in this, the longest story in the play is what is it? 15 minutes, 20 minutes where mm-hmm. an actor plays one character. Yes. So yeah. you and Usman play Alcyon and Sayex. That's the longest story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But even within that, there's moments that you don't have it's not like a play where you would normally have a whole first act to get to where you need to get yes. to you have just a few lines and then all of a sudden you're having to be at a uh, pitch a state uh you know an emotional place and that's really i think that is unique to mary shows. and to have the audience so invested that at times you know we hear people at the end of that story uh, affect it in the house and they, yeah. the characters they've only known for 10 minutes yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just, everything's accelerated. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, after this many performances, you've probably played every, maybe not every variation, but pretty close to it. And I wonder if they start to, um, I wonder if there are actually not infinite variations, but there's a category of variation. If mm. you play it, I mean this just to be really stupid about it. We play it faster and it has this quality. Or in other words, is it is it really so variegated or are there I I I think I'm in the camp of that I'm in the infinite camp. Uh-huh. I think on this. Uh-huh. Um certainly there are large 
aspects that one can adjust. Pace, volume, things like that. But, you know, you throw in four more things and how many permutations can you right. find? Do the it, math. It's, yeah. yeah, do the math. It's, uh -huh. it's, um, I do, I mean, I am, I think I am in the infinite camp. And then you have the audience, which is the whole other X factor. Right. So sure. it be, I do think sure. it becomes a sort of, uh, let's walk out on stage and see what happens. Little and little. so, and the number of actors that have, that have been in mm -hmm. and out of the show. When we did it the first time, it's a 10 person cast. We kept extending and ex we just went on and on and on. And, and so many, of us were booked in other shows that by the time the play closed, 30 people had been in and out. Yeah. And I think that was one primary and reason it didn't continue. Hugely yeah. the, the face and that'll the happen here. Sure. And it's happened in almost every version that we've done as new actors come in. Come in right. mm -hmm. I guess, here, let me try one more time to ask this question, although I, you've probably answered it. But I just wonder if, say the first, what, what's the, the very, the first is... Um, Midas. Midas. The laundresses and then Midas. Okay, mm -hmm. so, so, we've, so that story plays a certain way on a night. Is that going to then push the other stories in a particular hmm. direction? I'm not sure I know the answer, but it's a good, it's an interesting question. I don't know that I have. I think it's uh, how I see it is more our relationship to the audience and and the kind of audience mm -hmm. that we are going to have for that performance. Right. Because there's a um, there's a line at the beginning where. Um, the god Zeus smokes and it's during the invocation and, and that gets a laugh. Mm -hmm. And, and it's interesting. I think we all know, according to how, um, boyous and, um, <laughs> buoyant and, and jovial that response is, how the rest of the, the night is going to play out. And I say this, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. I think it shouldn't, but we are human beings. It's just the difference between film and live theater. We are human beings. So we are feeding off of what is given to us. Yeah, and so that is inevitably going to, change the night and the energy of the performance. I'm not saying that if it's not a responsive house that we're going to give a, a, a bad show. It's not that. It's just not a dialogue as much. And I think this show, Election Night, for example, I kind of was enamored with how responsive they were. And I thought, oh, is this just because of the the, the kind of night it is? Right. Who who knows? But it definitely, it, it it affected us, mm -hmm. and it gives you, it just gives you, infuses you with something. And, and then, of course, we all know, and I'm sure Louise would agree, there's those really, really quiet houses who you think are just checking out, and then they are on their feet as, as soon as right. the show is over. Right. So it's hard to read. Sometimes people come on, come into this particular show because of its history and not maybe some of the hype about it with a, with an overly reverent attitude towards what they're about to see. Mm -hmm. And so they're a little, they feel a little less loose and... Uh, right. able to sort of just laugh at things um you know so there's all there's all sorts Absolutely. of but so, I, you know i also agree with louise that it's you, we do at, it's human it's a human thing for performers we feed off of we when we hear them laughing we certainly know for sure that they're having a good time right and if we don't then it's an open question right so <laughs> i so in my world i think what you're trying to say about categorically if, if this myth plays this way, is it going to affect? I don't feel like that's the case as much as our relationship to, right. to the audience. The I think that's the common way. denominator. Mm -hmm. Would you guys agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does vary a lot. I mean, some, some nights, it, and particularly the humor, because that's the easiest thing for us to gauge, read. Right. But it's not just that. It no, can be vocal very responses. Response, like yeah. when, um, when, when Midas's daughter jumps into his arms mm -hmm. and she turns to gold, the people will, 
gasp. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's all that. Yeah. 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 And I think because of the, the Greek mythology, the, the, the heightened, the, the archetypes, the, so when they're in that state, that pure state of, I, I'm in a theater and I know I'm not supposed to maybe gasp like that, but I can't help myself. Mm. It's exhilarating because yeah. it, they feel like, they're up there with us on the God platform. You know, right. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, or the gods came down. Or the gods came down to earth, however you want to say it. Right. But Well, I think an interesting thing um, for me is that not only has this show had this long life, but that you as actors have had this, as you said, you know, you're all, you're different people, you're parents, you've had. So I'm, so, and, and it's not just that you're in the same play 14 years later, but you're doing the same roles. And that is very unusual because generally if you came back into a play that you had done, say, in college, now, you know, you were the ingenue then and now you're the something else. Right? Although it may not, you know, it's it's interesting, too, that it, it is very unusual. But for those of us in the company, it's now happened twice with Mary's show because she did a play called The Secret in the Wings in 1991, brought it back in 2003, and then it did, did tour subsequent to that the next year mm. and and it had a lot of the same cast so for some of those actors as well it had been 14 years that they were able to play the same right roles and i don't know if that is something about now that was a play about fairy tales and her response to that was well when we did it originally we all were not so far from childhood ourselves and when we did it later it had a different resonance because it was people who were middle-aged, uh, trying to recreate that. And so that was interesting to her. Mm-hmm. Well, so what what is the dynamic with this? I mean, here you are coming back to roles that you played a long time ago. I think um, with particular certain roles, it, it there is there is a, a, a difference, and then some things don't matter. I, I What Mary did approach me and, and had a sort of frank conversation with me about um, whether she, she thinks and I, whether I thought maybe I'd aged out of my track, mm-hmm. um, before she committed to, to, to putting me back in the cast. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, my track, um, was kind of the youth of the, of the cast. I have, I have a very boyish face to begin with, and, and that, that I think, um, puts me in a particular, um, role sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Eros particularly is, I think, in her, was in her mind a kind of youth the youth of the of the uh, right. of the play Phaeton is a sort of teenager style of character um and it was a conversation we had to have you know i i don't have i don't i've lost a lot of hair in the last four, 10 years uh-huh. and i i don't cut the same quite youth, quite the same youthful figure as i did before well and um, it's important to say that that you are nude on stage i am indeed in fact as i Eros. think just an aside the best use of nudity i've ever seen on the theater it's very tricky and it is. for some reason that just completely worked. But, you know, God, I wouldn't want to have taken my clothes off 10 years after I was, you know, in it's certainly, it <laughs> certainly was, you know, it gave me some pause, but I don't, I didn't, you know, what my body was not my problem. It was mm-hmm. mostly, I wanted to make sure that again, the picture I was creating, right. the costume is my, you know, the costume are the wings and the blindfold and my body. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a costume. It's a, I'm creating an image. So my concern is, is that as long as the image still fits, as long as I can um, still be subsume myself into the picture that Mary wants and create, give her this, give her the picture that she needs to create this myth the way she has it in her imagination. Mm-hmm. And as long as she's going to be satisfied that with it, then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so what what has changed in your understanding of the show or your favorite moments or how do you respond to the show differently as an older actor? And I'll go around. Yeah, I mean, for me, I probably have to reference Alcyon and Saix. And I, I think about my 21-year-old self pining and desperately searching for her husband. And then I think about my <laughs> current self. Current self. Uh-huh. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, and now that I'm married and um, actually have, uh, you know, just enough life experience to understand, you know, and in, in, uh, in a much more layered and uh, deep and soulful way, what what that can possibly mean. I I look back and I'm I'm just wondering. I would like to jump into that body and that mind of when I did it, just to be like, oh yeah, okay, that's right. That's what it was. And I just had to act. I had to sell it or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying, you know, it's not like I, I can't make it absolutely real, but it is just closer to home, home now. And I think absolutely 100% 9-11 when we were in uh, New York doing it. I think about my young self doing it and then then I was doing it, doing it, doing it and I was getting older and I wasn't yet married but then 9-11 happened and just being in New York with all, all the tragedy and seeing people weeping on the streets and you know, seeing firsthand what that kind of loss can mean. Hearing people weeping in the house during those. Yes. When you would that do. infused me. It, I didn't need any marriage or life, more life experience that I've made us all grow up a lot mm-hmm. faster. I think. Raymond, what what would you say has changed in your response or your performance or? I would just add on to what Louise is saying, all of that. And I think for all of us, you know, you asked what's your favorite myth and all of them have been. And I think all of them will be for me as it goes on. They resonate for us differently as Mm. they do at different points in our lives. Mary said, I remember when the show opened in Chicago, the stories are thousands of years old. They they were handed down, you know, orally to begin with. And then Ovid and others wrote them down and not to layer anything on them, to just tell them they're, they're the, the struggles and the conflict and the drama in each story are things we will never solve. They will always be part of being human and things we'll have to struggle against. And for me personally, as I know it is for my colleagues, my wife and I, started dating uh when we were doing the show originally and she's in the show with me again now and our daughter will be up here in the green room today while we're doing it so just playing that Midas story when I did not have a child and um but did and still do have have such deep affection for Anjali Bamani who plays that part now mixed in with that relationship is yeah. my own daughter and right. so there's no prep that you have to do because just being older as actors, you hope, and, and I think it's borne out that you, we we have all experienced more pain and hopefully also more joy. And so there's just more for us to draw on. Mm-hmm. We hope. We also hope the lighting is a little softer, <laughs> dimmer. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's interesting you bring up parenting because I've always thought that's one of those life experiences that if you're just on one side or the other. I mean, you just, before you have children, you're just a different kind of creature, and then you have children, and you join this other tribe. Mm-hmm. And and I had never really thought about the fact that as an actor 
playing a parent before you're a parent, there, there's something you just don't know. You just have to make a substitution. Um, and now we don't have to make as many substitutions right, right. when we're playing those roles. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and Doug, is there anything you would add about what has, what hits you particularly closely um, now? Or? Well, I think like my friends that are my connection to love and loss has definitely deepened mm -hmm. since in the intervening years. Um, and, you know, being, having children, being married. Um, and this show is really about love and loss and transformation. So it's just all there. And I, I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, just to be uh, on the shallower side of things, I, I, I took a look at a video tape of myself in the Berkeley production because I was working, this was during tech and I was working on the Phaeton scene and I was, I was interested in what I had done with my glasses when I had taken them off, when I had put them back on. Cause there was a sort of very particular glassesography that I had done. And I, <laughs> as opposed to recreating the wheel, I thought, well, let me just look at what I did so I can, you know, decide whether I like it and change it if I want to. And so I watched myself do that monologue from back when. <laughs> Which is, this is the snotty teenager. Yes, this is Phaeton right. um, on the raft, uh, Son of Apollo. And I was, I was slightly appalled <laughs> a little bit at my performance. <laughs> and so all this is to say is like, I, I, I just think I'm a better actor right. 10 can, years can down the line, 12 years down you? the line. What was it that you wouldn't do now? Oh, it, you know, it wasn't anything particular. It was just, perhaps it was, Maybe I was looking at a at a at a performer who was in the in a, in a rut, who looked like uh -huh. he was just. Who, it wasn't happening to that person. Uh -huh. um, it wasn't happening in that moment. Uh -huh. The inflections were all there. The the rises and falls were all there, but it was not happening. And I and I'm just so pleased to be able to do, do it, it again. Do it over. Get it because I just feel yeah. I I just feel I'm I'm just more I'm just as more skilled of an artist than I was 12 years ago. There's no denying it. Right. So right. if we could do it 20 years from now, then, <laughs> we, will, really then we will really know what we really right, be kick ass. Right. Well, yeah. and I think, you know, I th it's because these characters are, are mythological, archetypal, that you can continue to play them probably over time and have this experience of, of getting a do-over, which I think is, is great. And it, I mean, I saw it way back when at the Ivanhoe, and I saw it the other night here. And my experience of it was very different Um I can't see, you never know, was that just that I came in as a different person, 14 years, 12, whatever that was, or whether it's the difference in the show. But um, it is it is a very mature show, and in the sense of it has matured. <laughs> and um, I think that convey, is conveyed to the audience. I think there's something, there's a richness there that, um, that makes it worth going to see, even if you did see it at the Ivanhoe. Great. Thank you so much for talking to me about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.